Good Sunday afternoon, everybody, and happy Father's Day to all the fathers around the world and to those who are listening to this particular episode of the podcast. I greatly and truly appreciate every single one of y'all for checking out this episode. Before we start on the G1 Climax talk, I want to send a special shout out to my father, Raymond. Happy Father's Day. I love you. I'm glad everything went well with um, your wife's uh, mother's surgery. I'm really happy about that. Um, Speedy recovery to her. I sent my regards out. My wishes to her as well. Um, And just real quick, I know this, I usually don't talk like this on the podcast. This is always a pro wrestling podcast, first and foremost, before anything, but to any women out there who have the balls to wish any woman a happy Father's Day, um, spare us. And I'm being truthfully serious. Like I said, I don't talk like this on the podcast a lot, but your day was last month. Send a special shout out to the father of your children. He deserves that much for everything he does for you, whether he's in their kids' lives or whether you pushed him aside for someone else. He is still the father of your children. Show some love today. I'm being truthfully honest. Send some love out to the fathers out there, grandfathers, the uncles who have children, the brothers, your brothers who have children. I myself do not have any at the moment. Um, If you consider my dog Marley over there, I'll take that. I actually was at work today and actually uh, got wished a happy Father's Day. I was like, does me having a dog count? They're like, "Eh, yeah, what the hell? So that was pretty funny. Um, But seriously, this is Father's Day for a reason. Show love to all the fathers out there and all the fathers in your families and let them enjoy their day. Whatever present you may decide to give him, but minus the socks, ties, and all that stupid BS, you know, cook him his favorite meal. You know, take him out somewhere nice. You know, treat him well. I know that, I mean, my father was not in my life, but um, we re- I reconciled with him a few years ago. Uh, we became friends on Facebook and we started talking, and, you know, we built a, a good relationship so far. And hopefully in the future, I do plan on going down to see him and hopefully, you know, we get to hang out, chat, you know, share a drink or two, you know, just chat, like father and son, whatever. Um, I just wanted to say that before we get into G1 Climax talk, because I think it deserves to be, it really does deserve to be said and really needs to be said. So, um, again, ladies, this ain't your day, you know, show love to the men in your life that are taking care of their children and holding it down for them. With all that being said, let's get into the G1 Climax news. And today, we finally found out who are going, who are going to be, the question always is with the G1 Climax, who's going to be in the tournament? Who's going to, who's, you know, who's going to be the top 20 heavyweights that New Japan decides to place into this tournament? Um, For those who are unknown to the G1 Climax. It is the most, one of the, if not the most prestigious tournament in Japanese pro wrestling. Many names recently have won. Names like Kenny Omega, Tetsuya Naito, 
Kazuchika Okada, Orochi Tanihashi won it last year. Legends in the game have won this G1 Climax. And usually, the winner of this particular tournament gets a guaranteed shot in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom, which is the equivalent to WWE's WrestleMania. Uh, it's usually held on January 4th every year, no matter what day it is, whether it be Monday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, does not matter. Um, when I moved back home to New Jersey, uh, it's also a significant day for me because I came home actually the same day as the G1 Climax was going on back in 2016. So that's why it's always a significant day for me. Um, but I actually pulled up an article from uprocks.com and which does explain the G1 Climax in full. So let's get into it. With the best of the Super Juniors and Dominion over, New Japan Pro Wrestling is gearing up for the G1 Climax. Several wrestlers, some who had been in it before and some who would be first-time entrants, cut promos around G1 Climax 29 at Dominion. And during the June 16th Kazuna Road show, NGPW announced who will try to climb the Mount Everest of pro wrestling. But first, how does the G1 Climax work? In its current format, the G1 Climax features two blocks of wrestlers who wrestle each other round robin style. They earn two points for every win, one for every draw, and zero for every loss. The wrestler with the most points in his block advances to the final, and the winner of the final match earns a contract for a match for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship in the main event at Wrestle Kingdom on January 4th. Now, this time around, they're actually, they announced at Wrestle Kingdom, I believe it was 13, that they're going to hold, for the first time ever, a two-day event on both January 4th and January 5th. So, more than likely, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship will take place on the fifth in the main event of day two. The G1 also sets up many of the New Japan's feuds and storylines for the next several months. Any wrestler who defeats a champion in the tournament is eligible to challenge for that champion's title. Additionally, any wrestler who beats or draws the tournament winner can challenge him to a match for his Wrestle Kingdom contract. Though, since the beginning of the briefcase era, as they call it, the contract has yet to change hands, which is actually... Um, I've been a New Japan fan since about 2015, and I did I did notice that they have they are given a briefcase, an actual contract inside the briefcase, and the winner, which they stated on here, goes through two matches, um, one in September, and once in October. Um, if he goes, if he the winner gets wins both matches, then he is truly guaranteed the championship at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, like they stated in the article, the briefcase has yet to change hands. No person has been able to defeat the winner of the G1 Climax and take their shot away from the G1 Climax winner and go on to Wrestle Kingdom themselves. Uh, if I remember correctly, Jay White was one of the participants who faced um, Hiroshi Tanahashi in October of last year and Kazuchika Okada took on Tanahashi in a rematch of... Um, the last day of block matches, um, in that case, to determine who would actually face Kota Ibushi in the final, and that was a really crazy foursome. Um, I believe block A was Tanahashi and Okada. They went to a time limit draw. Uh, Tanahashi won the draw on points, and Kota Ibushi defeated Kenny Omega to actually win his block and go on to the final. In that match, the Juwan Climax final usually is 
one of, if not the true candidates for match of the year because they always put on a spectacle in the final match. And I always get hyped for this tournament because the best of the best in terms of the heavyweight division are in this tournament. And I, and now this is like, it's, a, it's usually like a two to three, it's a three week kind of ordeal. Um, yeah, it's like it's three, four weeks of just straight matches, straight block matches. You're going through nine matches. Of those nine matches, you try to get the best points possible. Top guy goes to the final in each block. And along the way, you really get some high adrenaline, very intense, solid matches throughout the entire tournament. I mean, like they said in the article, if you beat a champion during the tournament, you are eligible to face them for the title after the tournament is over. Um, usually, uh, this time around, they're gonna this, ter- this tournament is gonna end on August 12th. Um, getting back to the article real quick, something different about the G1 this year is that part of it will take place outside of the Japan for the first time ever. And on July 6th, the opening night is going to take place in the American Airlines Arena in Dallas, Texas. I believe that event is already sold out, and if you've not, and if it's not yet, I'm guaranteeing it's gonna sell out way before. Uh, we have about, I'd say, two weeks left before the tournament begins. I believe two weeks from this coming Saturday, um, the G1 Climax Tournament re- will begin. But the question always is, who is going to be in the G1 this time around? Like I said, the top 20 are chosen by New Japan, the New Japan management. So let's go over who is in the A block. We have... Current IWGP Heavyweight Champion, Kazuchika Okada. Revolution Pro British Heavyweight Champion, Zack Sabre Jr. Hiroshi Tanahashi. Kota Ibushi. Evil. Sonata. Bad Luck Fale. Lance Archer. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay. And Kenta, formerly known as Hideo Itami in WWE. This block, what people are saying of what I've read, um, I saw this earlier in the morning while I was at work, and I saw that, you know, the division itself is pretty damn loaded. Um, I was very shocked to see the matches that are going to come out of this. We're going to get Okada Tanahashi again. We're going to get Sabre Jr. versus Tanahashi. Um, That was, I think, that was a hell of a match that they had. Ibushi Tanahashi, a rematch of the final in the A block. We're going to get Will Ospreay versus Kenta, Kenta Sabre Jr., Kenta Ibushi, um, Sanada Okada. That was a rematch of earlier this year. I believe uh, Sanada won the G1, oh, the, G1 uh, the New Japan Cup, and he faced Okada at Sakura Genesis for the championships. It's a rematch of that there. And I really like this block, but let's talk about the B block as well. In the B block, we have... IWGP Intercontinental Champion Tetsuya Naito Never Openweight Champion Tomohiro Ishii Juice Robinson Toru Yano Hiroki Goto Jay White Jeff Cobb Shingo Takagi Taichi And the current reigning defending IWGP United States Champion himself John Moxley Guys I, in my personal opinion, I think we're going to get a lot more out of the B block. 
than we are from the A block. The A block is loaded. I mean, guys like you got Okada, Saber Jr., Tanahashi, Ibushi, Osprey, Kenta. That block is supremely loaded right then and there. But you got but guys like Naito, Ishii, Robinson, Jay White, Takagi, Taichi, Moxley. This is a loaded block as well. Think about it. You're gonna have think of the dream matches we're gonna get out of this. Naito Ishii. Naito Robinson, Goto J. White, Jeff Cobb in a rematch against Tai Chi, uh, uh, two former never openweight champions, Takagi versus Moxley, okay? Th- I think this is the actual first time we're getting three junior heavyweights in this tournament. Osprey, begging to be a part of this tournament, he's now in. Takagi made a case for uh, beating um, Satoshi Kojima in uh, a warm-up match against the heavyweights. He's in the tournament. Um, tai Chi, of course, had a really solid year uh, so far as never openweight champion. He's going to be in the block. Jay White. I mean, the matches you can get from the both of these blocks are supreme dream matches for most people. I mean, any match that Mox is going to be in is going to be watched with very close eyes because it's John fucking Moxley. We're going to get Moxley Naito. Moxley against Robinson in a rematch, non-title of course. Now, no, no titles are on the line in this during this tournament. No titles will be on the line whatsoever. Um, there may be a junior heavyweight tag team title match. There may be an IWGP heavyweight title match, heavyweight tag team title match. There may be some matches, you know, during the tournament, but it's mostly going to be a lot of it's going to be a lot of tag matches involving superstars who are in, not state stars who are in the tournament, and you know. All this good stuff, but that's the 20 we have this year. Um, some notable names that were left out. Uh, surprisingly, Michael Elgin uh, is now out. I believe he is. Uh, in, you know, well, he's now an impact. Heyman Page, who was uh, who was actually in the tournament, um, and, K- and Kenny Omega are now in AEW. Uh, Tama Tonga is also absent from this year's tournament. Yoshu Hashi, who wrestled in the last three G1s, he's sitting out for this tournament. Um, names like Toki Makabe. Satoshi Kojima, and the biggest, I think the biggest surprise was Minoru Suzuki. That was probably the biggest surprise, and I honestly believe one of the biggest snubs of this tournament, because there were reports that Suzuki wanted to face, has has declared that he wanted to face um, Chris Jericho and Jon Moxley. I would have loved to see if there's one person I would have taken out, honestly, I would have taken out Tai Chi and inserted Benoro Suzuki for this tournament. Just for the simple fact that we would have gotten Suzuki Moxley during the B-Block matches. I, I, imagine somewhere down the line, we're going to get a Suzuki Moxley match. It is going to be absolutely insane. Um, I cannot wait to see how this tournament goes down. Um, because, like it said in the article, feuds, storylines, and feuds begin to take place. Now, most of these feuds and storylines will lead into Wrestle Kingdom 14 in January. Some of these will lead into um, the paper, the, the show they have in September. I forget the actual name of it. October, King of Pro Wrestling, I believe they have in October. Um, that leads into the World Tag League in November. Um, the shows in December, which I believe is uh, the junior tag team uh, tournament. It's going to be a crazy, 
you know, it's gonna be a crazy month. And I am really, really excited to see what goes down with these matches. But let's get back into the article really quickly. Um, so we've already uh, discussed Elgin is not in there this year because he's in Impact Wrestling now. Hangman Page, Kenny Omega not in there because they're in AEW. Tamatanga not in there. Um, focusing on the tag division, Yoshihashi is not in there. Um, Kojima, Makabe, and Minoru Suzuki. Some might be surprised at the absence of Chris Jericho as well, but when he mentioned he might be in the G1 backstage at Dominion, it sounded like more like his characteristic riffing slash trolling than an actual declaration. All these absences have made room for G1 debuts while keeping the tournament at the 20-man size that has become the norm for this decade. New Japan newcomers slash former WDE superstars Kenta and John Moxley will make their G1 debuts, along with former Never Openweight champions Tai Chi, Jeff Cobb, and Will Ospreay. Both Ospreay, the current IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, and the G1 debuting Shingo Takagi haven't officially departed the Junior Heavyweight Division yet, but have goals to find success as truly openweight competitors. G1 Climax also features two wrestlers who can be described as returning in different ways. Lance Archer, whose tag partner in the Killer Elite Squad, um, I believe it's uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr., recently parted ways with New Japan Wrestling recently. Uh, is in the tournament for the first time since 2014. This is the 12th consecutive G1 for Hiroki Goto, but he's been off of NGPW programming aside from the Ring of Honor New Japan War of the Worlds Tour since he lost the main event of wrestling Inokuni to uh, Jay White in April. Goto's chance for revenge against White in B-Block is one of the several matches with heat behind him going into the tournament. Juice Robinson will have another chance against the man who took his United States Championship, Moxley, and last year's tournament finalist Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi will face off again in the B-Block. In addition to other matches between established rivals, both blocks have Los Ingobernables de Japón versus Los Ingobernables de Japón violence, something that hasn't happened since last year's G1 with tag partners Evil and Sonata in A-Block, and the first time matchup of Naito versus Takagi in Block B. Another block match to watch out for, one some people might have thought could be the final, is Ikoshi, uh, Ikoshi. Okada versus Abushi for the first time since New Japan's 42nd anniversary show in 2014 when they wrestled an IWGP heavyweight versus junior heavyweight match. What do you think of this lineup? Is there one match you think will steal the tournament? Can you predict who's taking this thing all the way to Tokyo Dome? And that's what I'm going to do right here. Now, I believe last year, I got this terribly fucking wrong. Um, I uh, predict, actually, no, I had Ibushi. I believe if I remember correctly, I had Ibushi winning the entire thing. For the simple fact that the storyline would have been Ibushi versus Omega in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom 14. Two friends going against each other, friendly competition that may turn a little bit sour at some point, but that would have been a crazy way to open up 2019. Unfortunately, Tanahashi won the tournament, beating Ibushi in the final, and we got Tanahashi beating Omega, and then when we found out Omega was going to AEW, it all made sense. So, Two weeks before we actually we yeah, two weeks before the tournament's going to start. I'm making my predictions right now. Now, when you're predicting the G1, you gotta remember, you gotta always expect the unexpected, but expect though the the big names to always be there at the top of the of the freaking block. 
with a block it's a little i think it's a little it's gonna be hard because you gotta think long term with okada as the heavyweight champion right now the possibility of okada winning the g1 climax tournament doesn't make sense at all so with that being said i am taking okada out of the conversation um more usually all more often than not the heavyweight champion usually always almost always goes into wrestling wrestle kingdom as the as the heavyweight champion so with all that i am taking okada out of the mix for pretty much completely he will definitely have a great tournament but i am putting him out of the mix in terms of Zack Sabre Jr., I am also taking him out of the mix. It's hard for me to go against either Tanahashi or Abushi. It's, it's, because I'm trying to think of the what could the final think what could the final be? What would the final be, and who are the two people that would make the most sense to get to the final? And I'm going to pick coming out of the A block. This is gonna be so hard. This is so hard, guys. You have like if you're trying to predict this as well, this will be your hardest prediction all year long. I will guarantee it. But I'm going to take Kota Ibushi once again to take the A block and go into the final in Budokan in Budokan Hall on August 12th. So then the question remains, who will be in the finals standing across Ibushi August 12th? There's only one person out of this entire block that makes the most sense. I say, and I'm predicting right now, we are going to get a rematch of Dominion for the of the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. I'm going to go with Kota Ibushi taking on Tetsuya Naito for the G1 Climax Final. And I'll tell you why. Not only... Actually, wait. Let me let me, let me me backtrack on that. Because when they faced each other at Dominion, they said it was a the last match of the feud. But then again... Nah, screw it. I'm going I'm to keep it as was. I'm going to go with Kota Ibushi. I'm defending... This is going to be definitive. Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito in a rematch of the IWGP Intercontinental Championship from Dominion at the G1 Climax Final. And I'm going to take Tetsuya Naito to win the G1 Climax Final. And I'm going to tell you why. If you've been following New Japan storylines, Naito's biggest accomplishment that he wants to achieve is to simultaneously hold the IWGP Intercontinental Championship and the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at the same time. The only way he can do that definitively is if he wins the G1 Climax Final. There's no other way he can do it. If he doesn't win the G1 Climax Final, his dreams of simultaneously holding both belts at the same time will not come to fruition at all. I guarantee it. I believe... We are going to get Naito Okada at Wrestle Kingdom 14 on January 5th, 2020. With Naito having the chance to hold both belts at the same time. 
I think that's the storyline that New Japan is running with. I think it is fire. I think it makes the most sense. I think Naito winning this G1 Climax tournament will be a big deal. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this will be his second G1 Climax, or second or third, if he wins. Not many people can say they've won two. A good amount of people, in 20, I believe it's the 29th, 28th, um, this is actually the 28th, I'm sorry. Is it 28th? No, it's 29th. So 28 people, well, maybe less than that, can say they've won the G1 Climax. Not many can say they've won more than one. I believe Tanahashi can say he's won three. I believe Chono can say he's also won three, if I'm not mistaken. Not many people can say they've won, not many people can say they've won a G1 Climax. Not many people can also say they've won two. I have Naito winning this tournament to lead us into Gressel Kingdom for the sole purpose of Naito having the chance to take the IWGP Heavyweight Championship away from Okada and holding both titles at the same time. And that is what I'm running with for G1 Climax 29. Guys, just so you know, um, on my page, anchor.fm slash perspective. There's a place, I believe there's a place you can do, or if you have the Anchor app, there's a place where you can have voice messages. And I wanted to say this in uh, when I recorded this episode for NXT Review on uh, last week, I believe it was on when, on Thursday, um, for those who have checked out episode 76.5, um, I explained why that episode was not uh, to be. But I think... This is, but I think this is probably one of the better tournaments we're gonna we're gonna be seeing in the last few years since I've been, you know, keeping up with the G1 Climax. Now it's gonna be hard for everyone to keep up with the G1 Climax because, well, we have work, we have lives, um, all this stuff. But I will do my best to keep up with the G1 Climax as best as I possibly can, giving you updates as much as I can. You know, who's leading the block. Um, I usually, I probably won't get into fully hardcore who's probably going to be in the finals mode until we get closer to the g1 climax final um i will be covering the g1 climax final i will be covering all the entire weekend of g1 climax final um we will do the good the bad and the ugly that was the g1 climax final um i did cover it last year and for those of you who have been keeping up my day ones uh we've been keeping up with the podcast y'all definitely check out that episode and i'm greatly appreciative appreciative that you checked out the episode Tons of plays on that, and I, again, we'll be covering the G1 Climax Final. The good, the bad, and the ugly version this time around, not just covering the matches themselves. But like I said in the, in the, on the page, there's voice messages. I want you, or if you follow me on my social media, at SwedeSenatorWWI, on my Twitter, or in the G1, or not the G1, I wish there was a, I had a G1 Climax plug, or in my Instagram at young underscore lions underscore perspective. I'm going to put in my story the question, who do you think will win the G1 Climax final? I want you to go to Up Rocks. I want to go to wherever you can find news on the G1 Climax. Who's in the tournament? I want you to let me know. Who do you believe is going to win the G1 Climax this year? I would love to know your thoughts. I would love to know because I know there's going to be some outrageous stuff. Or just picks. I mean, I know there's going to be people that's going to be picking Kenta. I know some of y'all are going to be picking Moxley. I know some of y'all are going to be picking, you know, Tanahashi. I know at least two of y'all are going to be picking Sabre Jr. But I really want to know. I want to get this as interactive as possible. Leading up to the G1 Climax, I want to know what you think. So, guys, enough rambling about G1 Climax. We got to talk about some NXT and NXT UK today. So, let's talk about it. This is episode 77 of the Young Lions Perspective. And with that being said... Let us begin.
What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling Ocean's Podcast here, and welcome to episode 77 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here on this lovely Father's Day, and I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. I greatly and truly appreciate it. And I also want to send one more shout, uh, shout out um, to my friend Bill. Um, I know he's enjoy- I'm sure he's enjoying his Father's Day right now, and his lovely daughter Emma, and his lady Nikki. I hope you are enjoying your Father's Day, man. I definitely want to sp- uh, shout you out. I was thinking about it all as I was recording the opening segment. I just want to give you a special shout out, man. So, uh, as far as I know, he's one of the only. Like, uh, and also to my friend Jesse, um, who's living down in uh, Myrtle Beach right now. Um, I know you know you and your daughters and your and your lady and your wife Kayla are. I'm sure you guys are hoping you're. Uh, I hope you guys are really enjoying your your day. This is your day, guys. Enjoy it, man. I hope you get all the love in the world from your families and you know. Just wanted to send y'all send y'all guys out some special love today. I know you guys will appreciate me shouting y'all out. Y'all probably be a little bit embarrassed, but it bees what it bees. So I just wanted to get that out of the way before we got into the spiel. Now I wanted to go over the matches on Thursday of NXT. In NXT UK, but there's a lot to take in um, from the past uh, episode of NXT, and I actually watched the past two episodes of NXT UK to gear up for this episode. So, in this special edition of the uh, Young Lions perspective, I just want to talk about the highlights of what I enjoyed about NXT and NXT UK this past week, uh, especially the past two episodes of NXT UK, because there's a lot that went down on Wednesday and I was very, very happy with what went down um, this past week on NXT and NXT UK because they're really, I mean, for the, for most of us, NXT and NXT UK are truly the highlights of our week. We all know Raw is in the shitter. SmackDown Live is, go, is on a downward swing um, and there's nothing really much we can do about it as long as Vince McMahon really runs the shows and he is just destroying it from the in, inside out. But NXT and NXT UK, when we get to Wednesday, usually is the best day of our week. You know, minus all the AEW news we get, um, all the stuff that we check out in terms of impact or progress or New Japan. Especially, of course, with the new one, you know, the G1 Climax coming up in a couple of weeks. And, you know, Kazuna Road that just went down today. I haven't got a chance to check that out yet. But once we get into the summer months, usually... Pro wrestling has a way of ramping themselves up from June to August. And I know NXT and NXT UK, especially with the announcement of NXT UK TakeOver in Cardiff, Wales on August 31st, and what I am calling the biggest day in professional wrestling all year. Um, I'll definitely be putting out a post. I'll probably have that, you know, do a sponsored thing with that. Um Guys, gear up for ears because now we are officially underway. We are less than two, three months away from the biggest day of professional wrestling. Of course, with AEW All Out, with New Japan Royal Quest, and NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff. You know, there's going to be a lot of news, a lot of speculation, a lot of what's going to be going down. I'm not doing spoilers. If you're looking for spoilers, take that BS somewhere else. This ain't that kind of show. We ain't here for any of that. We're going to take it all in week by week, and I'm going to do my best to give you the best coverage possible because also we have, unfortunately, stomping grounds next Sunday. 
We have Extreme Rules next month. SummerSlam we're going to be covering. Uh, NXT UK, uh, NXT, not NXT UK, NXT TakeOver Toronto is going to be going down, I believe, the week prior. So that's going to be a standalone show. There's going to be a lot. And of course, you got what? Fighter, AEW's Fighter Fest, Fight for the Fallen. Like I said before, AEW All Out. It's going to be a lot, a lot of coverage. And I'm going, like I said, I'm going to be doing my best to cover every single aspect of the summer as best as I possibly can. Lord help my sanity. And, you know, it, it is what it is. But we got a lot going on over the next few months. And it's going to be a crazy time. So strap up, get ready, because this is going to be a crazy summer. And also, not even not even go, discounting that, the one-year anniversary of the Young Lions Perspective podcast itself on July 14th. And also, I also and I'm going to tease it right now, July 1st, I'm going to be... Uh, I was approached on my in my DMs and my Instagram by a certain someone. I'm not going to say who. Uh, I'm just going to do a little, you know, tease for you guys, and I'll be going to be talking about that over the next couple of weeks as well, leading up to this interview because I'm going to be having my first ever guest on the show. Um, it's not going to be Kevin and Nick <laughs> from the from Wrestling with Issues podcast. It's not going to be anyone in particular. It's going to be uh, if you follow this particular person on Instagram. Um, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about, but I was, like I said, I was approached on, in my DMs on Instagram by this person and I was very, you know, grateful mm-hmm. to act. He, he approached me like I was the 10 at the bar that every dude was trying to holla at and he got me so smitten, I guess if that's a weird, that's a weird analogy flex, but we're going to roll with it anyway. Um, but yeah, July 1st, you can expect my first ever guest on the show. I know I've been waiting almost an entire full year to get a guest. But like I said, um, I never mean to have guests. I just want to talk to you guys. This is the show we got going on here. But I'm really happy that I'm going to be having him as a guest, um, as my first ever guest, um, because we're going to be talking about a couple of things. Um, One particular thing in particular, one thing in particular, I should say, and I'm really excited to actually, you know, talk to this particular person because I do follow him on Instagram and he's going to be, he's a great follow. Uh, like I said, I'm not gonna say anything else. I may, you know, like I said, I'm just gonna put save the date July 1st on some posts on Instagram, and that's all I'm gonna say. But I'm really happy I got this interview. Um, this is a big deal for me and a big deal for the podcast in and of itself. Uh, this could help, help help elevate the podcast. Um, so this is gonna be a really crazy uh, few months for me. Um, I'm really excited about it. I'm amped. I'm ready. My body is ready. Okay, I'm lying. I'm not ready, but I'm going to, you know, take it day by day, and I want you guys to enjoy this ride with me. So strap up. Like I said, this is going to be a great summer, but let's get into the highlights of NXT this past week. Um, Starting off, NXT opened the show with women's tag team action with Candice LeRae and Io Shirai taking on Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir. Um, One of the things I liked about this match was the fact that Duke and Shafir finally got their own entrance and their own entrance theme music. Um, they were flanked, of course, by the leader of what I call the Queen's Army, the Queen of Spades herself, the current reigning and defending NXT Women's Champion, Shayna Baszler, who stood on the stage uh, at the top of the ramp for a majority of the match and letting Duke and Shafir do their thing. This was a very fun match to watch. I really enjoyed everything about this. Out the gate, um, with Jessamyn Duke going after Candice LeRae, out the gate, you know, going after her. Ken is taking it all in stride. 
you know, Shirai hitting some big moves, Duke and Shafir working well. I'm re- I had stated on my Twitter, if WWE didn't fuck up the entire women's division in a span of four months, I believe personally that Duke and Shafir would have been major players to have a shot at the women's tag team titles. We know, even still to this day, I still believe, I actually still think, I'm not even going to go with the lead, I think that Sasha Banks and Bailey should still be holding these titles. Um, and then came the, all the news that came about afterwards with Sasha Banks and Bailey, who is now the current uh, SmackDown Women's Champion, and the Iconics, who have really been in a straight dead zone ever since they won the championships at WrestleMania. They haven't really done anything with the belts. They haven't been booked properly. They've been booked to lose. But the one thing I still appreciate with Banks and Bailey's promo was that they wanted to go down to NXT. They came back to NXT and wanted to face the top teams in NXT. You had Born and Bougie. You had the Sky Pirates at that time. You had, you know, Duke and Shafir. You know, you really had some teams, and I felt like they were building up this women's division across all three three brands. And then all of a sudden, it just completely went to shit because WWE, or should I say Vince McMahon in particular, doesn't know how to book the women's tag team division. If you're going to book a particular division and make these prestigious belts for the women, if your so-called women's revolution is supposed to be a thing, you're not treating it the way it is. And I stated that... um, in a particular episode last year, the evolution will be televised, but don't believe the hype. Definitely go check out that episode. Um, I talked about evolution, the women's revolution, all this stuff. And I still have that mindset of they really haven't done what they were supposed to do with this so-called women's revolution. NXT is still doing it properly. The main highlight of the match was towards the end, actually, um, with, uh, you know, Candace slipping under uh, after the attack from uh, Jessamine grabbed her foot. She into uh, Jessamine with an enziguri tags in Shirai. You know, Shirai comes in with big axe handles. Shayna looking unimpressed for the top. Jessamine getting hit with a tiger faint kick. Uh, Shirai springboards. Marina tripped her up. She kicked Marina away. Springboards to hit a missile drop kick on Jessamine Duke. Jessamine then drags Jessamine around. Uh, Shirai drags Jessamine around. I beg your pardon. Uh, she then shouts out Shayna as she did the reality check, the move that Shayna Baszler has done to countless women in NXT. She does it to one of her stable mates, which really pissed her off. Um, she then runs into Meteora Jessamine in the corner. Um, she goes up to the top for to hit the Isai moonsault. Shayna pulls her out of harm's way. She then moonsaults Shayna instead, stomping her out. Um, the horsewomen go after... Uh, Shirai and Candace dives through with a tope suicida and Shayna and Eo start you know fighting each other. Uh Shayna gets thrown into the ropes. The referee had no choice but to call this match a no contest, calls for the bell immediately. Candace then is fighting off Marina and Jessamine while Shirai and Baszler are fighting in the crowd with the crowd chanting, Let them fight. Mm-hmm. Security then rushing out to uh end it on stage, and that was the end of the segment. But it was but this shows, you know, what women's tag team wrestling can be if it was done properly. NXT has been doing almost everything right all year. There has been no shortage of solid matches. 
you know, including the women. The women's division in NXT, I'd say right now, is better than both main roster divisions combined right now. And I even say, I even put NXT UK in the conversation as best women's division with names like Tony Storm, Ginny, Zaya Brookside, uh, Rhea Ripley, Candy Floss uh, emerging as one of the names, Isla Dawn. Kaylee Ray, who's been a who's been a major player now ever since she made her debut. Jazzy Gabbert, who's uh made her major date, who's making her debut on uh NXT UK. Um, and we'll be discussing that a little bit later. How can your developmental women's division be better than your main roster women right now? Is what I question every single time I watch NXT and NXT UK. How can I tell myself, how can they be better than the main roster women right now? It's insane to me how this how a developmental brand can beat your main roster women in terms of talent and booking. But you got to think of who's running the shows. Triple H runs NXT and NXT UK. Vince McMahon is holding down both the main roster shows and he is booking them into an absolute disaster. But enough of that. We then had, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, Velveteen Dream sharing a video about himself. Uh, asking who's ready for the next experience. We'll have to just have to dream on who's going to be the next guy to step up. And I do have, and I have no idea for you guys. I have no clue who's going to be the next up, but whoever it may be, I know that they'll get a solid match with the Velveteen Dream for the North American Championship. And more than likely, will face the Velveteen Dream at Takeover Toronto in August. One other, one thing I did really appreciate is that this coming Wednesday, we're going to be seeing the debut, the repackaging of Punishment Martinez, who is now being known as Damian Priest. I loved his vignette. Um, he was getting into the car with some lovely ladies, going to the club, cooling out. Uh, now, what the chair shot says, uh, do not let the glitz and glam of his daily life fool you. This priest is no saint. Who will face punishment when Damian debuts? Playing off, of course, his, you know, his uh, former name, Punishment Martinez, that he used to have when he was in Ring of Honor. Um, I'm really excited for his debut. I love Damian Priest. I love his match that he had with Matt Riddle um, back a few months ago, many months, many moons ago, when, he, when Matt Riddle was beginning his climb up to the upper echelon of NXT. And now that we're going to see his chance to, you know, shine and become a major player and more than likely what's going to be the mid card, um, I thoroughly enjoy that. It's not, there's nothing wrong with building up your mid card talent. For, and then building up to become future main event players, especially when main event talent, you know, in NXT moves up to the, you know, moves up to the main roster and gets to the demotion of a lifetime. Yes, I said demotion because if you're going into the main roster, you're just pretty much your dreams of everything that you want to do go there to absolutely die. The Kushida Drew Gulak match, I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, submission matches are, are few and far between. In not only NXT, but WWE as a whole. And this was a very well done submission match. With two guys who are who have superior technical prowess on the mat. And the crowd in Bel Air, Maryland definitely appreciated this match. I did as well. Kushida beating Gulag with the hoverboard lock. Um, and what I'm considering his first legitimate feud in NXT Two straight wins over Gulak. Of course, the last match they had, uh, Kushida beat Gulak by sub, uh, not submission, but by pinfall. And Gulak felt some kind of way about that. He heard so much about, you know, 
the submission skills of Kushida and being pinned by him felt not embarrassing, but he felt disappointed in Kushida and he would take that particular way out. He challenged Kushida to a submission match. Kushida obliged. William Regal, William Regal, NXT GM, made it official, and this is the match we got. I loved this matchup. The back and forth that they had um, towards the end, you had um, Gushi, uh, Gulak after um, you know getting uh, Kushida getting a rope break. Um, Kushida taking children under the bottom rope. Gulak go out on the apron. Gulak kicking Kushida. Kushida hits a kick back on him. Gulak picks him up in the electric chair, but Kushida Hurricane Rana. Gulak back into the ring with a crazy bad landing. Uh, Kushida gets some space. Um, he and Gulak go after each other. They throw some uh, forearms while they were on their knees in the mat. They get to their feet. They throw some more forearms. Kushida gets hit with the fat. Uh, Kushida hits the fastball punch on Gulak. Hits a drop kick on that. Gulak goes for the Irish whip, but Kushida hits the handspring back elbow. Penalty kicks the arm out. Hits goes for a tilt world takedown that led into the hoverboard, and Gulak had no choice but to tap. What I loved about that match after the match is that Kushida applied Gulak's effort, extended a handshake of respect. Um, Gulak at first didn't, you know, take the hand of Kushida, but instead had some choice, some words for him, um, and then extends his own hand, and Kushida and him shake hands as a show of respect after this feud. Where Kushida goes from here, I don't know, but I know for a fact that he will probably be going gunning for the North American championship. I think that's where he is right now. Um, there really isn't no need for him to jump towards the NXT championship. There's really no need as of yet. We already have, you know, Gargano, Cole, uh, Matt Riddle's up there. Velveteen Dream, I know, is going to be probably somewhere in the mix. Tommaso Ciampa, upon his return, is going to be gunning for the NXT championship. We all know that. Uh, as of right now, we know he is uh, clear for non-contact uh, things in NXT. So expect I expect some promos out of this. Um, unfortunately, I heard I saw some spoilers by accident, but we uh, there are some names that are going to be making a return to NXT. Uh, like I said, I don't like checking out spoilers. I just happened to see it while I was checking my timeline on Twitter by accident. But the names I saw, unless you've already checked out the spoilers themselves, the names that I have seen that are going back to NXT, I am very happy that they are going back, um, especially one guy in particular who's going back um, that I didn't expect to go back, but I am very happy he is making his return to NXT. I think it made sense because there was a lot of news and speculation about superstars. Um, I remember there was one story that Sean Spears, um, before he left the WWE, he wanted to, he made a request to go back down to NXT, and Vince McMahon said no. Tyler Breeze is back in NXT. That was dope. I appreciate that, and you know, NXT, with the names that I've read, they're gonna it's gonna get better over the next couple of months. They're gonna get better and better and better. And the storylines that are gonna be happening are gonna get so much better over time. I cannot wait to see what happens with the next couple of months. The biggest news I think that came out of this episode was that in was that actually since we're in uh Sunday mode, we're gonna be getting our new I start my week new week on Sundays, like my calendar does. Sunday begins a new week for all of us. Um go somebody for some of y'all, Monday begins a new work week. For me, it's Sunday. And next Wednesday, we are gonna get the rematch for the NXT women's championship between Shayna Baszler and Io Shirai. 
but not just any particular match, a regular singles match. It's a steel cage match for the NXT Women's Championship, keeping out Jessamyn Duke, Marina Shafir, and Candice LeRae away from ringside. It's one-on-one, and we already know there's going to be some sort of shenanigans that are going to be going down this match, but I expect this to be a great match between Shirai and Baszler, and of course, for y'all who know, I made the declaration, I made the choice to put myself in the line of fire, and that if Baszler beat Shirai at TakeOver 25, I would be rooting for Baszler in every single match going forward until she loses the championship. So I am taking Shayna Baszler to retain the Women's Championship until someone decides to take the title from her. And some of y'all know that she is who I consider one of my top three favorite heels in NXT, and that still remains to this day. Hands down. Now, the three at the time I had were Samoa Joe, Tommaso Ciampa, and Shayna Baszler. And I still believe those three are my top heels. When done properly in NXT, Ciampa is a beast at what he does. And Baszler is a beast at what she does. And I believe Samoa Joe should be getting a lot more than what he's given right now. He has world champion written all over him, people. Um, the, the weird way they gave him back the United States Championship didn't honestly make any sense to me. And I'm going to take a sip of sparkling water real quick. Tropical orange, man. Mm. When you get a, when you get a deal for two for a dollar of sparkling water at the store, man, you gotta take advantage of that for sure. Quite delicious, and actually, um, you know, I'm trying to you know, you know, eat and you know, drink better. Um, I really don't drink alcohol often, um, so you know, sparkling water with some good flavor and not now. Uh, this is gonna be a weird tangent. I'm gonna go on real quick, but sparkling water, man. You got to get the right sparkling water. Like, if you're going to get flavored sparkling water, get the right flavored sparkling water. Not this uh, frou-frou stuff that, like, um, like Poland Spring. We got it a couple weeks ago, and it has no flavor, you know? Not really, you know, top-notch sparkling water, I'm telling you. Like, it's a faint taste of whatever they got in there, but it's not really working. Anyway, enough about sparkling water. Y'all, don't want, y'all ain't come to hear to talk about that. Um, The main event. I really, really liked. I really liked this matchup. Um, of course, the Street Profits now the new NXT Tag Team Champions after the insane fatal four-way ladder match that we had at TakeOver 25 just a couple of weeks ago. Um, now everybody's starting to get into position to try to be the, the first cha- first contender to face the Street Profits for the Tag Team Championships with Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. Taking on the Undisputed Era, which is the particular version of Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. When Bobby Fish was out with injury last year, Strong and O'Reilly absolutely fucking killed it as a tag team. And they did not they did not settle for any less in this matchup. I expected a great match between these four guys, and they did not disappoint. The surprising part of this match, there was two surprising parts. Um... The fact that they had Lorkin and Birch beat the Undisputed Era to win the match was a crazy booking decision in and of itself. One I actually liked, but the crazier part was Jackson Riker was the reason for the victory for Lorkin and Birch. So, towards the end of the match, um, Kyle, after, you know, Birch and Kyle had a crazy sequence of hits. Um, with Kyle hitting the Pendulum Lariat uh, done by a former lunatic, 
he tags in Strong, Oregon, uh, this bit Eric coordinate on Birch. Strong chops Birch for their version of, they actually hit a version of Chase the Dragon, which I thought was absolutely bananas. Um, goes for the cover, but Lorcan barrels through Kyle to break it up. Uh, teams regroup Shannon in the crowd, chanting NXT, NXT. Lorcan and Birch glare at the Undisputed Era. They start brawling one more time. Fans are going crazy as they're hitting each other back and forth. Kyle punches Birch. Lorcan chopping Kyle. Lorcan hits a boot, but Strong blocks it. Kyle goes for a kick and hits Strong knees Lorcan out of the ring. Birch comes back with haymakers, only to catch a knee of his catch a knee from the other side. They they actually hit the axe and double smash. Everyone is down, and out comes Jackson Riker. Referees are trying to keep uh, him away from ringside. They're thinking he might be doing something. He might just do something to fuck the match over. Strong tags in Kyle O'Reilly. Riker wrecks through security um, with just enough to distract the Undisputed Era. Birch disrupting Strong Annihilation rolls Kyle up to get the three count and the victory. And Riker screws over the Undisputed Era Birch and Lorkin, as Nigel McGuinness said, the biggest win of their careers here in NXT. And I could not agree more. I couldn't agree anymore. This is a huge win for Lorkin and Birch to go forward. And it looks to me as if the Forgotten Sons and the Undisputed Era are going to be in a little bit of a feud against each other. And I kind of like that. Um, I know Undisputed Era is a big, huge crowd favorite. They do do some healer shit at times, but... And I know a lot of people aren't really too keen on the Forgotten Sons. Uh, I, myself, I love the Forgotten Sons. I love the way they go about it. Um, they're doing to others gimmick. I think it just works. You want up? Come on. Come on. There she is. And that's my dog, Marley, in the background. And that is your obligatory Marley segment of the show. Anyway, um... I really am a fan of the Forgotten Sons. I, of course, y'all know I love me some heels, and I think the Forgotten Sons have been haven't been booked well since their uh, debut in NXT. I think this fe- this feud with the Undisputed Era, if there is to be a feud to be had, will definitely put their names on the map. I think the top four right now, top four or five teams right now, if you're really looking at it, is the of course the Street Profits because they're the tag team champions. The Lord Team of Lorcan and Birch, Undisputed Era, and the Forgotten Sons. Those are the top four tag teams right now in NXT. I don't know what other teams are going to be stepping up um, to match up with them. Hi. You're just going to make noise? Yeah? You're just going to make noise on my show? Make noise in the background? You're not going to, you're going to distract us? So be it. If you see a dog, I swear to God, when you start going bananas, I'm going to take you down. I'm going to put you down. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it down. Not kill you. I'm gonna take it down. All right. Okay. All right. You're good. She's fine. Don't mind her. Uh, if you hear noise in the background, that's just her panting and whatnot because she's just doing Marley things. But you know, I do truly believe that these four teams can definitely have can definitely you can mix and match them, and they can probably have some of the best stuff on NXT. You gotta you gotta think. You gotta really think. These four teams are doing some of the best stuff in WWE right now. And I think the tag team division has had one hell of a resurgence uh, ever since the beginning of the year. Uh, Ever since the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, I think they've had a great resurgence. And these four teams are going to be your pillars, your cornerstones of the division 
for the remainder of 2019 and going into 2020, I think they're going to be more teams going to be built up. Um, I'm not exactly who they're going to probably put. Um, but right now, these four tag teams are definitely going to be the cornerstones of the division going forward. NXT knocked it out of the park again. Even on tour, they're, you know, just going into it. I am so excited, of course, for next week. Um for next week's episode, of course, this coming week's episode, but for next Wednesday when Shirai and Baszler go at it again in a steel cage match for the title, I think that's going to be crazy. Um, you know, North American Championship is wide open. The tag team division, you know, resurgence is really, really good. And they only had three matches on Wednesday night, just three. And it's still garnered more attention from, you know, more attention and investment from me than it does with SmackDown and Raw. Because Raw, I don't watch. Y'all know that. And I only could really withstand one hour of SmackDown Live. And I normally don't do that. I usually get to the two hours okay, even though the show has been waning down. Um, but for some reason, SmackDown and Raw aren't really doing it for me right now. That's not to say I'm not going to stop you know, live tweeting during SmackDown Live. Raw is definitely out of the picture. But NXT and NXT UK, which we'll get into in the next segment, are really showing what they can do when they're putting their best foot forward. And still, I think Vince McMahon needs to take some goddamn notes from Triple H because this man is about to kill the fuck out of the main roster this summer. We got the rest of this month, July and August. In the same month in August, you're going to have TakeOver Toronto and NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff. It is going to be bananas. And once again, just like the Super Letdown pay-per-view, it's going to get sandwiched in between two bigger pay-per-views with more hype, with more, you know, je ne sais quoi, if you will. Um, That's what I'm going to be hype about for the coming months. And WWE is just going to be put on the back burner for a long period of time until we get to fall in October. So that was... My highlights of NXT this past week. We're going to take a quick break, check out our sponsor, and then we're going to get into talking about the last two weeks of NXT UK. Stick around. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Right, and we are back on episode 77 of the Young Lions Perspective. As always, like I say, thank you so much for checking out the episode, man. I greatly and truly appreciate y'all more than you'll ever know. For real, for real. Of course, this is the Father's Day special edition of the podcast. So let's talk about the last two weeks of NXT UK as my dog just decides where she actually wants to take a nap for the next hour or so. You good? Okay, we're good. Anyway, so most of y'all know I love me some NXT UK. I really do. I love it. I love that, you know, they finally branched out to the United Kingdom. And for those of you, this is if this is your first time checking out the episode, let me just break down why I love NXT UK so much. It went back to the UK Championship Tournament last year. Um, they held one the year prior, I believe in 2017, is the crown of the first ever United Kingdom champion. Of course, Tyler Bate being that guy. 
to win the championship, um, holding the title for almost a year before Pete Dunne took the championship from him at TakeOver Chicago 2. And what was one of my match of the year? Uh, I think I placed it at number three, um, if I remember correctly, from that particular year. Um, I didn't have a podcast back then, but I had it <clears throat> as my number three choice for match of the year. That match was so damn good. And when it was announced that NXT UK was going to be a thing in the fall of last year, I was very hyped for what they were going to do, the talent they were going to have. Of course, Pete Dunn, Mustache Mountain, and then we got names from, of course, Joe Coffey, Wolfgang, um, Mark Coffey, Noam Dar, Jack Gallagher, Flash Morgan Webster, you know, Mark Andrews, people we've seen before, you know, on other shows like 205 Live. We, I believe we saw Pete Dunne uh, in, on, a, on a special Raw match. That was pretty cool. The hope was still that Neville was going to become part of NXT UK, but um, WWE did him dirty, as I like to call it, and they really, and unfortunately, he left. And the chance, and I'm not saying the chances of him in NXT UK aren't slim, but at this point, you can pretty much say, verify the fact that we're probably not going to get Neville in NXT UK. Give me one second. <sighs> Tell you, man, that sparkling water life is beautiful. Anyway, but NXT UK is that kind of brand that gets you hype. The same way you do for NXT. Of course, y'all know I love NXT. I love covering it. I love talking about it. Same way I do feel about NXT. I feel the same way about NXT UK, man. And now we have names like Valter, the new stable of Imperium with Eichner and Bartel, with um, Gallus, of course. Of course, British Strong Style. Uh, Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan, the women of NXT UK are amazing. Tony Storm, Jenny, Zaya Brookside, uh, hopefully Dakota Kai and Tia Knox uh, start uh, making their names uh, in NXT UK whenever they return from injury. Um, you got Piper Niven, who's now a part of the deal. You have, um, you know, up and coming names, Candy Floss, Killer Kelly uh, makes an appearance every once in a while. Uh, Casey Owens, who actually made an appearance on the July, uh, July. Of, the June, of this particular episode we're going to talk about in a second. Um, Kaylee Ray is now a part of NXT UK. Jazzy Gabbard, uh, of course, uh, is now a part of NXT UK. I'm excited for the women's division as a whole. Like I said in the last segment, much more so than the main roster women right at this very moment. So what intrigued me about this the June 5th episode of NXT UK? Of course, this particular episode had the fatal four-way number one contenders match to determine who would get a future shot at Volter for the WWE United Kingdom Championship. Uh, of course, Joe Coffey, Jordan Devlin, Dave Mastiff, and Travis Banks all facing each other. Who would take on the ring general in the future? And me tinks, me tinks, not me thinks, me tinks, that the winner of this particular match would probably go on and face Volter for the championship at NXT UK takeover Cardiff. I think it would make the most sense, especially since they announced it, to hold off and let the winner, whoever won this particular match, let them build, let them build their name, get them stronger. So when you get to NXT UK takeover Cardiff, they are as much a proper contender to the champion as possible. But before we get into that, um, the hunt. 
Of course, you know, uh, the wild boar, Mike Hitchman, and the primate, uh, I believe his name, if I remember correctly, Jay Melrose, uh, former uh, Defiant Wrestling general manager. A uh, little fun fact for y'all. Uh, trust me, you can check the proof. It's on their uh, YouTube page. Guarantee it. It's true. I'm telling you it's true. So they made their uh, appearance on NXT UK, taking on Tyson T-Bone and Saxon Huxley. Um, of course, they get the victory over Tyson T-Bone and Saxon Huxley. Um, finishing the finishing move, the double headbutts, I thought was pretty cool. I love their intensity. I love their uh, double team prowess. Um, the the pop up German suplex was pretty dope. Um, they are a team that I hope they start building in NXT. I talked about this uh, once or twice before about the hunt. Uh, when they became a tag team, they fit so well together and they are going to be crazy baby faces going forward and after the match that when they won they're backing up going towards the back out come gallus in the form of wolfgang and joe coffee uh no mark coffee i should say i beg your pardon and they go after the hunt immediately talking smack to them beating the crap out of them going up to the announce desk telling and mark telling vic joseph that is going to get real dangerous in the tag team division from now on because gallus knows how to be violent of course they were still in glasgow uh during the during this particular set of tapings so the hometown love was so real in glasgow and now we're gonna get gallus versus the hunt I am really excited about the fact that the hunt is now being thrust up into the somewhat, I guess you would call the upper echelon of the tag team division. Of course, you have Zach Gibson and James Drake, the current NXT UK tag team champions, Mustache Mountain, The Hunt, Gallus, Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan, um, Flash Morgan Webster, and Mark Andrews, whenever they tag up. It's going to be really, really cool to see what they're going to do with Gallus and The Hunt going forward. Are The Hunt going to be, you know, wants to take over on Gal, take, you know, the next step and beat Gallus and become possibly the next contenders for the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. Who knows? But I know the Ga- Gallus versus Hunt feud is going to be really cool to watch leading up to um, take over Cardiff. So this particular episode, they announced that um, Ilya Dragunov, and for those of y'all that, Remember the episode I talked about Ilya Dragunov before he made his debut. I unfortunately did not check out his debut um, when he first initially came out. I was very excited, but for Ilya Dragunov, not only for the fact that it would be my first time watching him wrestle, but for the fact that he would face Joseph Connors in his, I believe his second matchup in NXT UK. Like I said, I never watched his debut match, um, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. What I thought of his debut, what I thought of uh, his debut to me on the NXT UK roster, um, we'll get into that in a little bit. But the fact that he was getting Joseph Connors was a really cool thing for me because I like Joseph Connors as well. I remember it from his time in WCPW and uh, Defiant. Um, I like it. I think he's a really cool, really good wrestler. And he and Dragonov, I thought at the time, were definitely going to make some sparks happen. The Kaylee Ray Casey Owens match was another one I liked a lot. Not because of the fact that, you know, they're really building up Kaylee Ray um, to possibly become the next contender. And I did tell y'all, Kaylee Ray, I've been I've been telling y'all, like I always say, follow the bouncing ball. Follow the bouncing ball. When you, you see it from afar and you can just tell who's gonna be next, 
I'm not saying it's a gift, but I just try to use a good common sense logic and reason to, to see who would be next in line. Now, I never, I always, like I say, I never always get it right. But when I do, a nice little pat on the back is rewarded. Um, this particular match between these two, the simple fact that uh, Kaylee Ray and Casey Owens have definitely faced each other before. So this created uh, more of a good match between the two, even though it was a short-lived match. Um, they had faced each other, for uh, those of you who know ICW, they had a very long, long-standing feud in ICW over the ICW Women's World Championship. Um, at the time, it was it was between Piper, uh, Piper Niven, who was, known, who was known as Viper, outside of NXT UK, Kaylee Ray, and Casey Owens. And Casey Owens is no slouch in the ring, and I think she really has a cute butt, so that also kind of helps you, boy. Um, <laughs> and... Um, Damn, I actually got distracted. I was thinking about that, but that's facts. It's really nice. Trust me, if you watch NXT UK, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, but they had actually a solid match. I think they had a really good match, even though, like I said, it was short-lived. Um, but Kaylee Ray, it looks as if they're positioning her to be next in line for the championship. Um, just talking about a couple things during the match. Of course, um, fans cheering uh, IC Dub. Um, of course, from their time facing each other in ICW. Um, Casey goes for the handshake. Uh, she gets sucker punched, uh, for her troubles. Um, whips her into the corner, hits her with another right hand, whips her corner to corner, but catches a boot from Casey. Uh, she hops up, catches the punch. Uh, Casey then drops back. Kay, uh, Casey, uh, Kaylee Ray slips out of the hanging arm bar, uh, to kick Casey down off the mat until the outside, uh, putting Casey on the apron, spinning it around with a hard right hand. I had never seen anything like that before. That was a very innovative move by Kaylee Ray. I thought that was a cool move there. Uh, Casey calls away. Um, Kaylee Ray definitely got the love from the Glasgow crowd for sure. Um, Casey scrambles to the robes. Kaylee Ray stands her up to hook the arm. Has a standing arm bar, pulling on the fingers, bringing them down to Casey for a cover. Gets a two count out of that. Um, she keeps on Casey. They fight over a backslide. Casey then ducks and slaps the living taste out of Kaylee Ray's mouth. Um, then uh, Casey runs into KLR's drop kick. Uh, she starts raining down rights on her, walking it off. Uh, Ray throws uh, hammerlocks Casey to throw her into the buckles. She does it again. Casey turns it around to throw KLR, but she comes back at Casey. Uh, Casey throws furious forms at Kaylee Ray. Uh, then Iris whips her into uh, Kaylee Ray reverses into a super kick. Uh, Kaylee Ray runs after her, but catches her, uh, eats a kick of her, of Casey's. She then forwards her into the corner, runs for a big knee, rolls KLR to go around the world. She ducks the kick. She goes for a kick. Kaylee Ray ducks it, hits Casey with a chop, hits her with a, another super kick, and hits the gory bomb, gets the victory over Casey Owens, adding another notch into the belt. Uh, like I said, I think they're positioning her to become next in line for Tony Storm's NXT UK Women's Championship. Now, I know we have the uh, Women's Battle Royal coming up. I believe uh, either this Wednesday or next Wednesday. Um, I'm really excited for that. Um, they're going to have pretty much the entire women's division, Piper Niven, Jenny, Jazzy Gabbard, uh, Zaya Brookside, Rhea Ripley, uh, Candy Floss, I believe, is going to be in there. I believe Killer Kelly is going to be in there. Pretty much the uh, Isla Dawn. Pretty much all of the women are going to be involved in this battle royal. Winner gets a number one contender, becomes a number one contender for the NXT UK Women's Championship. And there's a lot of moving parts going into this 
of the women's division. And I can't wait to see what they're going to be doing as we head into the summer months towards NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff. I would be seeing that a lot over the next couple of months, so get used to it. We then had the vignette that Imperium had. I was I was marking out the entire time for this uh vignette with the th- with the three of them. Um their main phrase The mat is sacred. The mat is highlic. I don't know how I, I got I gotta see it hardcore in the paint. Their mat is highlig. That's hard. That's hard in the paint. Um, their vignette was fucking awesome. Uh, they say when they step in the ring, it is for the honor of this sport. They will lead us all to a better NXT UK. They are the change that is desperately needed. They called out British Strong, uh, British Strong style, calling them an expired era. Um, they was they said they will show the big strong boys what it is to be big strong men, and then they announced, of course, they have a six man tag team match next week between Imperium and British Strong Style. When I get into that, trust me, if you ha- if you already seen it on my Instagram page, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and I'm very excited about what happened in that six man tag. So, Ginny, the spoiled princess herself. The Lady of Knightsbridge. I did not know. No, like I said, I had missed some episodes of NXT UK. I had missed about, I think, a solid month and a half of programming because, you know, I started my new position at my job. Um, so I hadn't really got a chance to catch up on anything. But catching up with Ginny, uh, she actually now enlisted the services of one alpha female, Jazzy Gabber. So they were walking into the building Um she helped introduce her to the brand. More specifically, Zaya Brookside. They go into a back, uh, back to a, a video package from last week, the week oh, with the week prior, um, talking about you know it was supposed to be Zaya Brookside versus Killer Kelly. Out comes Ginny and introduces uh, Jazzy Gabbert. Killer Kelly pretty much threw up the deuces and pop smoked and bounced, leaving Zaya Brookside to fend for herself. And of course, in dominating fashion. Jazzy Gabbert takes out Zaya Brookside like it was nothing, treating her like a rag doll, hitting the Dominator on her. And apparently now they are the talk of the universe. Um, Rodzi asked them, how did this pair come together? So Ginny came out and said, a woman of wealth knows exactly what to do to have things work in her favor. Favor. The moment Ginny saw Jazzy in the TakeOver Blackpool crowd, she knew she would have to either fight her or befriend her. She states that she may be the most fashionable, but she also has the most brains, and that it takes brains to get to the top. And that, and she says that's exactly where she and Jazzy are going. And if little Zyla, Zaya or Isla Dawn think any or any other woman think they can get in their way, Jazzy will take care of them. And of course, they both walk away with Jazzy giving a very menacing look to Rodzi. Poor Rodzi, that man, that very wonderful man. Don't intimidate him. He's he's a nice guy. He's a real cool dude. But now it seems as Ginny and Jazzy Gabbert now have some sort of alliance um, for now. For now. We all, we all know how these usually these things go. For now. Anyway, we then got into a promo. I tell you, this, this whole show was absolutely fucking awesome, by the way. And if you haven't, what you got NXT UK and you had the WWE Network, I'm just going to say one thing and one thing only. What the hell is wrong with you, sir? What is wrong with you? Or madam. I don't assume genders. You could be both. I don't know. Anyway. But seriously. 
get some NXT UK in your life. I'm telling you, if you have the network and you're not watching NXT UK, you are doing yourself a true disservice. And the disservice that you're not that you're giving yourself. We got the NXT UK Tag Team Champions, the Grizzled Young Veterans, coming out to cut a promo to the dismay of the Glasgow crowd. I love these two guys. They are great heels. They are, they are doing some of their best work right now in NXT UK. And they look pretty pissed as they came out to the ring. So, immediately, Zach Gibson grabs the mic and... Of course, Vic Joseph was talking about uh, Grizzly Young Veterans. Immediately starting off, you know, by demanding that he turns off the, they turn off the music as he prepares to talk and says, and not another word from you, Vic, you absolute whelk. So today, we are going to learn British slang. Um, usually every time I watch NXT UK, I always learn a new slang word. Uh, we learn what Gallus has meant. Um, we are going to learn today what Welk means. I like talking to you about this. I don't know why it's a weird, weird segment. But we're going to learn what Welk means. So let's see if we can look it up on my tablet real quick before we get back into the swing of things. Let's see if I can find it on Bing. British slang. Now, I don't want Dutch in the English bot. Like, what is this? Let me see. Let me see if I can find it. Hmm. Really not helping the cause right here, guys. Mean in British slang. Hopefully we can find it. I know this is bad podcasting, but we're we're trying to learn something here. We're trying to learn. We educate ourselves. If this is what I think it means, uh, this is going to be pretty hilarious. Uh, so I'm going with Urban Dictionary here. And I think this is probably the best one because I love me some Urban Dictionary. So let me see. A wealth. So pretty much what I'm seeing here from Urban Dictionary. And that's definitely not that one. Um, pretty much they're saying a fool, a moron, someone who is not bright. Now, what I was laughing at when I went to search it, um, it means a very annoying person who never knows how to shut up. So pretty much he was calling him a very annoying person. And that is our British slang term for the week. Try to use it in a sentence, um, with your friends or just with yourself. You know, if you, if you think someone's being absolutely annoying, just, you know, this fucking whelk over here there you go boom there's a sentence for the week all right anyway <laughs> british slang with yours with uh on the young lions perspective ladies and gentlemen we learned something new so anyway the promo they cut was absolutely fantastic so they state so zach gibson pretty much cut, uh cuts the entire promo saying that the management asked and begged these two not to come out here but he has to get this off his chest They state that they are here because they just learned they will defend the NXT UK Tag Team Championship in front of the sweaty golfs at this year's Download Festival. So now, we now know what a woke means. Let's let's try to learn what a golf means. 
I'm telling you, we learn here on the Young Lions perspective. We really, really do. Because, you know, we have our slang here in the United States. Not gaff. What the hell? Goff, bot. Okay. I'm just going to let my tablet load up. I don't want to know what a gaff means. I don't care if it means apartment. I want to know what a golf means. Let's see what we get here. Golf, British slang. Search. Okay. Urban Dictionary again. We're going with golf here. See if we got anything that's worth. Okay. A, a label used by ignorant people to taunt and stereotype others of the teenage media gothic subculture. So apparently, you know, it's just, you know, a term to call the people ignorant. So we got that going first. We learned two terms today what a woke means and what a golf means. Anyway, getting back into the promo. The fans start chanting sweaty goffs to mock Gobson, uh, Gibson, I should say. Uh, he says that this show is not about the fans, so they need to shit down, sit down and shut up while the champs are speaking. Uh, he then states that Johnny C expects him and Drake to walk in their handcrafted wrestling boots, walk through who knows how many bodily fluids, and then get in the ring to defend the prestigious titles while Slipknot Birch, Birch, words are hard, butchers music in the background. All of this because the NXT UK universe wants to see it and calls them absolutely rotten. He states that they're locker room, locker room leaders. And soon, soon, to be recognized as the most important champions anywhere in the WWE. Gibson then closes out the promo by saying this. So, Mr. Saint, your champions need to be treated with some respect. Because when they are unhappy, it won't take long for the rest of the roster to become unhappy. That's not good for morale. So sort it out, old man. Ending the promo there. This was a really good promo. Even when they're not competing, they're cutting very solid promos. James Drake just in the back there, just following along, whatever Gibson's saying. And soon, I love me some Zach Gibson, y'all. I think he is really coming to his own ever since he competed against uh, Pete Dunne. For the NX, uh, WWE United Kingdom Championship, he has been cutting dope promos. He's been one hell of a heel. He might get into my top. He might, he might be part of the top four. I think Grizzly Young Veterans might just be that top four. Become making a top four heels that I love in WWE right now. Because they are absolutely killing it with the promos, man. And I can't wait to see them get back into the ring um, during the Download Festival defending the Tag Team Championships. More than likely, um, I would say against Williams and Jordan, um, they wouldn't need to face Mustache Mountain as they are embroiled in a, a little bit of a feud with Imperium. So now is not the time just yet to see part two of Mustache Mountain and the Grizzled Young Veterans. We'll end the June 5th episode by talking quickly about the main event, the Fatal 4-Way number 1 Contenders match for the... to become who will be getting a future shot at the NXT UK Championship or the WWE United Kingdom Championship. This match was insane. Insane. And I know that Mastiff and Coffee had a little bit of a few going in. Travis Banks and Jordan Devlin had an extensive feud dating back to earlier last year, earlier late last year, going into early this year. 
um, with Banks getting knocked out of the match due to an attack by uh, Johnny, uh, Johnny Zane, uh, by Jordan Devlin. Devlin then got the match against Finn Balor. They faced each other in a false count anywhere match. That match was absolutely nuts. I did cover that um, earlier this year. That was an insane match between those two. So there was a lot of intertwining storylines going into this. In the end, Travis Banks came out victorious. He would, and he actually pinned Devlin. What better way to get the shot at Volter than beating the man who had been your most fiercest rival to date? Not only hitting the slice of heaven on Devlin, but hitting the Kiwi Crusher one, two, three, and getting the shot now against Volter. This match was bananas. Um, it has so much replay value that you can't. I can't stand it. I, I definitely watch it again and again, even if I could. The fact that you know Travis Banks versus Volter is going to be the next match for the WWUK United Kingdom Championship. It's pretty going to be. It's going to be pretty sweet now. Is it possible that we get Banks versus Volter at NXT UK TakeOver? They set a future shot. They never stated exactly when that match would go down. I probably expect that match to go down in sometime in July. You know, I think that, I mean, I think right now, if, if they're looking to have this match at Cardiff, that would make the most sense to do it. Um, Devlin definitely wouldn't didn't make sense because right now Volter's the biggest heel they have in the game. Um, Coffee is also a heel. I don't think they expected to do a heel versus heel matchup. Although Coffee versus Volter, I thought would be a good dope matchup. Um, Mastiff right now. Um, I think at this very moment he'll get a shot in the future, but it definitely wasn't the time for him to get his shot just yet. Mastiff will definitely be in the mix sooner or later in 2019, but I think at the next takeover, they may, not the uh, Cardiff, but I think at the next takeover they have, whatever whatever city they're going to have it in, and I'm pulling for a Manchester or a, uh, a London card, but I think they may do that probably um, either next year or maybe late this year, going into next year, who knows. But right now, Travis Banks, Becoming the number one contender for the uh, WWE United Kingdom Championship makes the most sense. And for those of you who are Progress fans, you know this feud all too well because they actually faced each other. If I'm if my mind serves me right, last year during Pro, uh, I believe it was during Progress's strong Super Strong Style 16 tournament, in which. Um, Volter beat Travis Banks to become the Progress World Champion. At the time, Travis Banks was a heel after, of course, beating Pete Dunne to become the new Progress World Champion um, the year prior, uh, late, uh, in the middle of, uh, I believe, 2017, if I'm not mistaken. And went through a definite uh, change of, you know, from babyface to heel, you know. And Volter being the, the hero, and he's still currently your Progress World Champion and your Atlas 
champion as well, defeating Trent Seven to take the championship. So he's a double title holder over in progress, and he holds the WWE United Kingdom Championship in NXT UK. So that man is, like uh, let the call, Volta Three Belts over on uh, NXT UK, which is pretty cool. Um, the fact that, unless you've seen it in progress, for fans to see this match now, or if you're seeing it again, it definitely really is cool to see these two fight again with now Volter being the heel and Travis Banks being the uh, uh, loving baby face. Um, I know fans will definitely be behind Banks going into this match, um, but I think right now Volter's probably going to be the one to retain the championship if they do have this match at Car- in Cardiff for NXT UK TakeOver. I'm I'm really excited to see this match though because I think this match is definitely this feud is so, gonna have so much legs. It's gonna be absolutely insane. But let's get into the June 12th edition of NXT UK quickly. Um so they did the opening uh video package between Imperium and British Strong Style, setting up for the match later on in the night, and them stating the um this is our NXT UK. And of course, you know, British Strong Style now being undermined by a new union. Um, of going, of course, going over the beginnings of Imperium, how they came to be, of course, screwing over Dunn, attacking Dunn during the match and helping Volter retain the uh, WWE United Kingdom Championship, which leads into now what is going to be what I thought was a crazy six-man tag between Imperium and British Strong Style. The Ginny versus Ginny and Jazzy Gabbard versus Zaya Brookside and Isla Dawn match. I thought it was okay. It wasn't um the best match to okay, I wasn't oh let me let me try to put this in a different light. It was a good match, you know, overall. You of course Zaya Brookside and Isla Dawn now teaming up. They want to take out, of course, Ginny and Jazzy Gabbard, especially for what Gabbard had been doing to the women's division ever since Ginny introduced her to the NXT UK universe. Classic, you know, Ginny with her heavy doing all the work and then wanting the tag to gain all the spoils and the pinfall victory. Of course, Ginny and Gabbard, you know, beating Dawn and Brookside. I liked what Gabbard did in this match. She was killing both Brookside and Isla Dawn. And this will definitely, I think these two have some legs going forward. I was kind of thinking, um, when I was thinking about earlier this year with the women's tag team division before it went to straight garbage, where Ginny may have an ally. Because I was thinking, you know, Tony Storm, Piper Nevin, you know, those these two are those two are very, very good friends. I'm thinking Dakota Kai Tegan Knox, if they ever go to come back to NXT UK. Um I was thinking, I was trying to think of a, a tag team partner for Rhea Ripley, but I think right now they want to keep her. I I'd keep her as a singles. Um, maybe a killer Kelly uh duo with somebody. That would be pretty dope. But Ginny was always the one to me. Where I tried to figure out what they were going to do if they decided to do a tag team. And Jazzy Gabbard, I think, fits the bill perfectly. Um, of course, you know, with Gabbard doing all the work, Ginny getting all the spoils, it will work, like I said, for now. 
I'm not going to say anything else, but if you know wrestling, if you know, if you've seen wrestling long enough, you kind of have an idea of where it's going to go. It's just a matter of when certain things are going to happen. Just to put it out there. This was actually a pretty decent match. Um, I like the fact that Zaya and Isla did get some offense in. But when they tried to get at Gabbard, they got Gabbard down at one point, but they could not capitalize. Um, getting into the match, just getting into the match for a little bit. Um, Zaya wrenching and uh, whipping Janine into the ropes. Um, Zaya follows that uh, follows it up with a drop kick. Um, Janine gets to her corner, tags and Jazzy immediately. Um, Jazzy looks at Zaya, and Zaya still goes for the leg. Jazzy blocked the takedown and hits us st- and actually locks in a standing arm bar on the little one that was Zaya Brookside, treating her like a little child. Um, she then wrenches Zaya. Zaya flips through, um, hits a low knee, hops up, hits a hurricane runner, but it got blocked by Gabbert. She then pops Zaya up. She goes for the sunset flip. Jazzy blocks that. She yanks Zaya up, tosses her into a corner, and then tosses her all the way across the ring, the showing off the strength of Jazzy Gabbert. Uh, brought her back up. Tag, Jenny tags back in. She holds Zaya for Jenny to get uh, kick her and stop her into the corner. Uh, Jamie backs off at four. She starts grinding Zaya down, tags in Jazzy again. She then picks up Zaya, scoop slams her, goes for the scoop slam. Zaya slips out, tags in Isla Dawn, starts throwing forms on Jazzy. Jazzy shoves her away. She comes back with a knee trigger and goes for the buzzsaw kick, but Jazzy blocks it, holding the leg. She grabs Isla for a knee, then hits her with a roaring powerbomb, then goes for the Canadian rack into the Dominator Slam. Ginny demands that she gets tagged in. Jazzy obliges. Ginny covers Isla for the victory. So, so far, of course, Jazzy doing the heavy lifting. Ginny getting all the spoils from what Jazzy Gabbard had done. Ligero. The Ligero vignette. The promo package I thought was pretty freaking cool. Um, him talking about his story of how he became a rest professional wrestler. Uh, he's talking about when I was born. I was born my right eye closed, and it wasn't until I was eight years old when I had an operation to correct that. Kids made fun of me, and that stuck with me. I felt shy and insecure, but I always wanted to be a pro wrestler. So I found something to help me become more confident, and that's when he began to wear the mask, and that's where the Luchador of Leaves became a workhorse. He said he embraced his mask and the action. It's what makes him memorable to the fans. They will remember the guy with the mask and horns. And he ends the promo by stating, this will be the identity that I always have. I am Legero. I really love this promo from Legero. And I do love me some Legero. He's, I think he's one of the fantastic, one of the uh, best mid-card guys in the game right now. Um, he had a little feud with Joseph Connors. I thought that was pretty cool. I can't wait to see him back in. His look is second to none. Um, he wrestled. He's a great luchador. The, his style is really cool. I like his look. I love the mask with the horns. I really don't see that anywhere else in the world right now. Maybe, be, I mean, that's kind of like um, shades of like Juventud Guerrera. The mask that he had, he had the mask with the horns as well. That kind of reminds me of that. When I see it, I love how he gets down in the ring. And I can't wait to see him back in NXT UK. But this is a really interesting um, video package from NXT UK to actually give us more insight into the Garrow and into a story and became what he is today. That was really cool from NXT UK. The Kenny Williams interview. I wasn't expecting this. Um, he was asked, as someone who knows Noam Dar very well, what does the lucky Yan think of what uh, 
superstar, uh, the Scottish Supernova's recent behavior, um, talking about his rematch from uh, a few weeks ago. Um, Kenny said he feels sorry for Mark Andrews, but he isn't surprised by what Dar did. He says they're close mates, but uh, Dar has always been a chancer. Uh, so pretty much being an opportunist. Opportunist. There's always that one friend who is a bit of a pellet, but you still like him. Like kind of like kind of think you're a group of friends. There's always that one guy that always does some crazy shit, but you're still cool with him. You know, we always have that one friend. I have that one friend. I'm not going to say who it is, but I always I, I have that one friend. But he's still my boy at the end of the day. Um, he says that's Dar. At the end of the day, what Dar does is not affecting Kenny's conduct, especially when Kenny takes on Cassius Ono in this coming Wednesday's NXT UK. He says it doesn't have to be a chancer. He just has to stay lucky. So we get Kenny Williams versus Cassius Ono next week, or should I say this coming Wednesday on NXT UK. I'm interested to see that because I love Cassius Ono and I love Kenny Williams. This should be a really cool matchup to see from these two. So let me see what we got left here. Um, So I'm going to cut this segment short real quick. And then I'm going to get into the remainder of the June 12th episode of NXT UK. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, now we are here with part two of the NXT UK review from the last two weeks. And if you you are here for this long, thank you so much once again. Um. The reason I wanted to do a second part, um, I didn't want to go over time because usually segments for Anchor, breaking the fourth wall here, um, usually go about an hour. And what I want to get into would take up the rest of the hour. So I didn't want to go over time on this particular segment, but to break down the last three parts of, actually the last three, four parts of the show that I'm looking at right now um, would definitely take up more time than what I had. So that's why I wanted to do a second part. So, let's uh, put this one down a little bit. There we go. Ilya Dragunov versus Joseph Connors was really fun mass to watch. And like I stated earlier on in the show, why I want to talk about Ilya Dragunov extensively, his entrance was wonderful. For the first time seeing him fully, um, I had seen clips of Dragunov plenty in w- from WXW. I'd never really seen a full match from him. Um, I know about his match with Falter uh, to win 16-karat gold tournament. He's been a former WXW Unified World Champion before. He has done some great things in the European wrestling scene. And now the fact that he's in NXT UK, um, it really makes me happy because I stated a while back that Ilya Dragunov is going to be a major player um, in 2019 and 2020. So much so that I stated that there will be a point where Volter and Dragunov may face each other for the WWE United Kingdom Championship. I think he has that much potential, and I hope that NXT UK sees that potential in Dragunov to the point where if they build him up well enough, that Dragunov and Volter may be the time that may be time where Dragunov takes, becomes the one to take the belt off Volter. I know I'm not I'm not foreshadowing. I'm just going off of what I see. And what I'm trying and what I think may be put together. Um, like I said, I'm never always correct, but with Dragonoff, it's really, really cool to see, you know, 
him being a part of this roster and being a part of the foundation that is NXT UK, especially in the first year, it really means more than anything for your first year, especially as a new developmental brand, to actually have players in the roster that will fit what NXT UK, how NXT UK separates, separates themselves from the other brands that is NXT Raw and SmackDown and 205 Live. Um, his entrance, like I said, was amazing. The fans were behind him from the opening, you know, seconds of his theme song. The crowd clapping along with Dragunov. His intensity, his charisma really stuck out to me. The look he has. Um, that man is swole as shit. Um, he's, he looked good. He looking swole. His match he had with Joseph Connors was really good. Um, and a man like Joseph Connors can bring out the best in a certain superstar. I know I would love to see Connors be booked more in a capacity where he can have a chance to become a champion. But I think right now, um, and I've stated plenty of times that when they implement a mid-card title, I think Connors will definitely be in the mix to fight for said mid-card championship. I'm telling you, UK Commonwealth Heavyweight Championship, they need it. They'll need it probably before the end of 2019. Going into 2020, I think they'll implement that mid-card championship once they have enough talent to and now knowing they have the U, uh the nxt uk uh pc performance center in uh the uk this will definitely help out building their mid card as they do their tours and all that fun stuff Ilya dragunov definitely fits the bill for me for sure um he and connor's went at it stiff hits throughout this matchup it was really really cool to see um, at one point, they had uh, Connors ducking, uh, going for uh, Ilya going for the crossbody, but it's nothing but ropes hitting, letting his uh, the rope going across his throat as he gasps for air. Connors now has the opening. Uh, he puts him in the corner for a buckle bump, going corner to corner for another. He throws hands and stomps until the ref has to pull him off of Dragonoff. Comes back with a big clothesline, goes for the cover, and only got a one count out of it. Fans cheering. Connors goes for the Irish whip. Ilya into a headbutt. He then wraps Ilya in a half street jacket. Uh, Ilya prize free and showing off the strength of Dragunov. Um, he keeps working on escaping. Fans give him the energy to stand up. He powers out, slipping under the hold. Connor starts panicking. Ilya gives him a big forearm. Connor comes back with a forearm. Ilya just powers up. Ilya goes for a swing. Connor's ducked it. Uh, Ilya spun through into the takedown, giving Connor's a huge knee. Uh, then running corner to corner for a big corner clothesline. Hits a second, but ran into the boot of Connors. Uh, hits a sunset flip. Is a sunset flip powerbomb right into the turnbuckles. He slingshots out into, but caught gets caught into the fireman's carry by Ilya. He then hits a Death Valley driver into the turnbuckles. Fires, he gets fired up more. Glasgow standing right behind him. Drags Connors up. Hits a pump handle, fall away slam, and takes him, shouting, Oon. B Sieg Bar, which actually means invincible, I believe in German, um, which really fits him very well. He, that's his main catchphrase, Un B Sieg Bar, um, which leans into his finishing move that he calls the Moscow Torpedo, which is really like um, I guess combination headbutt European uppercut type deal. It's very effective, which gave Ilya Dragunov the victory. Another good showing by Dragunov. 
I really can I'm excited to see what they're gonna do with Dragonoff going forward. Will he be on the uh the takeover Cardiff card? Um if he's not, then what is his because Dragonoff's first major feud hasn't happened yet. He got past his debut, he beat Connors. Who's gonna be his first legitimate feud? Um I don't have the answer for that. Um, the same way I had for Kushida, I don't know who will be his first feud, but whoever it may be, maybe a Cassius Ono might be a first, you know, legitimate feud going forward. Who knows? But whatever f- person steps up to Dragonov and becomes his first feud, I will tell you right now, it is going to be a solid hand for Dragonov to def- either def- have a good match with and possibly defeat. We then had Travis Banks defined a little promo segment here. I really love these uh, video packages that NXT UK has, man. They were killing it with this stuff. Of course, with Leguero and now with Travis Banks talking about his journey to becoming the new number one contender to the United Kingdom Championship. Of course, talking about um, his experience at Royal Albert Hall during the UK Championship Tournament. Um, Saying that at one point, don't quote him on this, but I might have been the first Kiwi wrestler there in 50, 50 years. Uh, he said it was very historic for him in pro wrestling in general. Um, they talk about him um, during his run towards the United Kingdom Championship Tournament, unfortunately losing to Zach Gibson in the finals due to a shoulder injury. They stated he had a separated shoulder, which took him out for three months. He said he hated being inactive and being told he had to avoid another serious activity for those three months. That drove him crazy, but it really did put things in perspective. When he uh, returned to NXT UK, he added a new chapter with his rivalry with Jordan Devlin. He got denied being part of NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool, you know, talking about how frustrated he was with 10 years of hard work all culminating in that one night. Um, he knew that if he, if and when he got a second chance that he would take it, which led him to the uh, Fatal 4-Way match uh, they had the week prior. He said, this is the moment I've been working towards. This is the day I was waiting for to make my underdog story work out. He says that he said that it takes it will take more than one shot, one bomb, or whatever else Walter throws at him. He says that his sacrifice in work was for this. And as great as being champion would be, it'll be even greater to take the title off of Walter. So, I mean, like I said, they really... I like the fact that they're chronicling stories. You know, the story of Leguero and the story of Travis Banks to get to where he is now. It's really cool to see behind the scenes, you know, how he got this far. And... I'm telling you, like I said, Vince McMahon really needs to start taking some notes from Triple H. The way that he's laying out these weekly shows, the tape shows. Not to say tape shows, but they are, he's really putting out these stories to get fans invested in a Leguero, in a Travis Banks. You know, I love that shit. I really do. I want to become invested in your superstars. And having these promo packages, these video packages, help me get invested in... In a particular person. Now, I was already a fan of Travis Banks prior to because I knew of his work in progress in the matches he had against Pete Dunne. That made me a legitimate fan of Travis Banks. We don't fan war, we fan more, as uh, YouTuber Desi March would say. But I love Travis Banks' promo in this and the fact that they really just had a sit down interview, you know, just, you know, talking about his, his story and getting to where he is right now. And now he gets to face Volter for the United Kingdom Championship. That's a really cool story to tell. And that gets me more excited about Banks and Volter in the near future. So before the six-man tag, um, NXT UK caught up with The Hunt. 
at the UK Performance Center, uh, they were coming out of the training room and they tell Gallus that next week the hunt is on. So along with Kenny Williams versus Cassius Ono, we are going to get the hunt taking on Gallus in tag team action. This is going to be a really cool match to watch. And I'm really excited to see who takes this matchup. Will they get the victory to the hunt? Or will Gallus continue to strive towards be having the kingdom be theirs in NXT UK? I'm really excited to see what they do with these two tag teams. This is going to be a very hard-hitting matchup. I think these four guys are going to beat the ever-living hell out of each other to get the victory against each other this coming Wednesday. I believe along also with the number one contenders battle royal with the women's division. This is shaping up to be a very solid show this coming Wednesday. I can't wait to watch this. But what I couldn't wait to watch really was the main event between British Strong Style and Imperium. This was an amazing matchup. I could not believe what happened at the end of this matchup. Um, But I'm going to actually talk about this match. um, Because without a good story, without a beginning, there is no story, as we like to say here. So they started off with Pete Dunn taking on uh, facing Fabian Eichner to start. Bell rings. Dunn goes right at it with Eichner with forearms, stomping Eichner in the corner and until the ref backs him off. Eichner then blasts Dunn with a clothesline, immediately knocking him off his knocking him on his ass. Eichner starts stomping away and rains down right hands. He lets up at the ref reprimand, comes back for more haymakers. He then gets Dunn gets up, kicks Eichner, but Eichner goes for the headlock. Dunn powers out. They start speeding things up a bit. Uh, Dunn hurtling over uh, to drop. Then clobbering Eichner down. He drags Eichner up to wrench his arm and tags in bait. And then bait goes at and done a uh, double wrist lock and stomp Eichner's arms. Great tag team uh, wrestling there. Bait keeps on Eichner. Eichner hits, but Eichner hits the knee and then clubs back. He, Eichner then tags in Marcel Bartel. Uh, whips Bait into the corner. He dodged uh, for the Irish whip. Bait dodges both of them and drop kicks Bartel and Eichner down in turn. Uh, Bait then kicks up, kips up, showing off his uh, agility there. Checks his mustache, but before he can finish his taunt, Bartel hits him with a throat chop to the corner. He then stomps Bait in the corner. Ruff reprimands, backs off at four, comes back to cravat Bait into a snapmare. He then uh, scrapes Bait's face and grinds his forearm in. Then uh, drives elbows into Bates' head, drags him up for Irish whip. Bates reversed it, arm drags Bartel. Uh, he then wrenches and then tags in seven to the delight of the crowd uh, with the chance of Trent seven army. Uh, he then fireman carries Bartel for the wasteland slam and use, uh, Bates uses seven for the kneeboard senton. Mm. I love that move with Bates on the top rope. Uh, Bates seven actually standing in front of Bates and then he uses him for a senton move. It doesn't get any cleaner than that. Only got a two count. Uh, they start uh, chanting for seven as he fakes locks Bartel. Uh, Bartel slips out, kicks seven down. He brings seven up, hits a European, cups, uh, hits some European uppercuts. He then uh, has seven in the corner and tags in the ring general. Of course, immediately he faces booze from the crowd as he kicks seven. He gets free of the out of the Imperium's corner. Circles with Walter. They tie up and Walter powers seven into the corner. He lets go at four, goes for the chop immediately, but seven gets out of harm's way. Seven actually chops Walter. Walter didn't flinch. Walter then shoves seven into the corner, goes for the chop again and misses. He then chops again, and then he continues to chop away at Walter. He then hits Bartel with a chop. 
and goes back to chopping. Volter sees Eichner coming. He falls for the faint and catches him with the DDT. And Volter then chops Seven immediately off his feet. To Seven's like 12 to 15, it only take, takes one chop to knock down Trent Seven, showing off the strength of a chop from Volter. He then cranks Seven's neck, kicks him right in the back. Uh, Seven then uh, fights back, but Walter knees Seven down. He then drags Seven up. Uh, Walter scoops, uh, hits a scoop slam, uh, goes for the cover, gets a two count. Walter then directions him, tags in Eichner. He starts fighting, but Eichner and Walter start mugging Seven. Um, ref uh, stomp starting, uh, starts stomping on Seven. Referee backs Eichner off. Seven then hits a chop on Eichner, but Eichner clubs Seven back and hits him with a back suplex. And goes for the cover, got a two count out of that. Walter gets tagged back in and starts mugging Trent Seven. Kicking uh, Seven kicks Walter in the leg, chops him in the chest. Seven then chops Walter more, but Walter boots Seven down with that big boot of his. He then hits Bit, and, but goes for Dunn. Dunn gets out of harm's way. Walter then goes back to Seven and rams the shoulder right into his. He starts wrenching uh, and rams Seven again and egging Seven on. Going a little bit further into the match, after a missile drop kick from Dunn, uh, fans uh, fire up. Don, uh, Dunn then goes for the whip. Walter reverses it, gets clear of Dunn, chops him right in the back, and that reverberating sound that Walter makes when he chops his opponents is you can hear it distinctly. That is loud as shit. He wraps the sleeper hold on Dunn. Dunn grabs the rope. Bartel slams the arms away, and Walter takes advantage by hitting a German suplex. But Walter, uh, not Walter, Dunn landing on his feet. He then buzzsaws kicks Walter right in the head. He waits for Walter to stand, dodges him, and hits a German suplex of his own off the rebound of the ropes, but runs into the boot. Walter then German suplexes Dunn, and this time Dunn lands on the mat instead of on his feet. Dunn and Walter crawl to the corners. Hot tags to Bait and, and Eichner. Bait goes after Eichner with hands. Eichner kicks slow and but runs into the Hurricane Rana from Bit, who then runs corner to corner for a big European uppercut. He then Irish whips corner uh, Eichner corner to corner, right? Eichner reverses it. Bates goes for the boot, kicks Eichner away, hits Eichner away with a knee. I beg your pardon. Then goes hops up and hits a flying uppercut off the middle ropes. Bartel then runs in, gets an exploder onto Eichner onto Eichner. Uh, Bait then lifts Eichner into the farm and fireman's carry and goes for the big strong boy airplane spin. Bartel gets hit by Eichner before Bait dumps him out. He then grabs Bartel for the swing. Walter saves Bartel only to catch the bop and bang punch from Bait. Uh, Bait dares to try. Eichner goes after Bait first. He fights all of Imperium off with European uppercuts. Gets a pop up into Bartel's kick. And then Eichner hits a brain buster, goes for the cover, but Dunn and Seven break it up at two. The ending of the match had seen Walter intercepting a bait as he goes crawling towards the corner, catches the rolling, gets caught with a rolling kick, tags in Seven with the hot tag. He then tags in off of Seven. Seven gives Bartel the Seven Stars Lariat, dives into onto Eichner, bait, and Dunn tags in bait. Uh, Dunn goes for the pop, pump handle, hits the bitter end on Bartel. Bait climbs up for the top rope, hits the corkscrew senton. Walter returns, barrels through Dunn to boot Bait. He then uh, Dunn drop kicks Walter, slingshots out only, and uh, only to miss the whole entire move. 
He then runs at Dunn. Dunn sends him into the still steps. He then uh, back suplex. Walter back suplex is done into the bottom rope, into the barriers, I should say. But then we see someone come from the back wearing a hood and a familiar mask. Seven. Meanwhile, chops Eichner. Eichner then shoves Seven into the ref. Ref bump. Take down. Seven clotheslines Eichner in himself out of the ring. He then, ent- the mystery man enters the ring and looks at Tyler Bate. He then takes off the mask. Alexander Wolf, ladies and gentlemen, is now part of NXTUK. He power bombs Tyler Bate. Glasgow raining down booze on Alexander Wolf. Wolf grins. Gets out of the ring and allows Marcel Bartel for the cover. Volter gets the ref in. One, two, three. Imperium, with the help of Alexander Wolf, defeat British Strong Style. But that wasn't the end of the show. Now, this is from the chair shot, and I quote Imperium is victorious, but is it also now four man strong? Wolf lost his sanity. Well, we will play the well, words of there. And his game, but has he gained absolute power alongside Walter Bartel and Eichner? At the end of the match, Walter, Eichner, and Bartel stood arms behind their backs, but leave a space open for Wolf. He then gets into the ring, stands next in between Walter and I believe Bartel, and puts his hands behind his back. Signalizing that he is now a member of Imperium, and I stayed. I put this up on my Instagram page. If you follow me on uh, Instagram at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective, and now I in the first line I wrote was, and then there were four. I am really excited about what's to come for Imperium. Not only because Imperium is now has now pretty much beat. British strong style to prove they're they are superior stable at this very moment in NXT UK. But the fact that Alexander Wolf is back, we all know what happened with Sanity. Um, Vince McMahon, upon their arrival, Sanity was never used properly in SmackDown Live. They were part of the SmackDown Live when uh, they got called up. But they were never used in a full capacity where we thought, you know, it was going to be where I thought it was going to be Sanity versus the Usos for the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championship. And Sanity were going to become the new Tag Team Championship. Ushering the new era of Sanity. That was not meant to be. Um, we then saw Wolf pretty much grant his release. Uh, is release granted from Vince McMahon to not leave to leave WWE. But he did state that he wasn't leaving WWE. But we didn't know where he was going. Now we know where he is. And he is now a part of Imperium. Um, I stated in the Instagram post that in 2015, then known as Axel Tischer, he helped uh, design and uh, create the clothing line we now know today as RingConf. Um, before Ringkopf became an actual stable in the wrestling game, um, Wolf became then a part of Sanity in 2016. 
uh, the founding members of RingConf were uh, Axel Dieter Jr., who is now known as Marcel Bartel, and Volter. Uh, of course, RingConf members also include uh, Timothy Thatcher. Um, I stated when I was hoping that Eichner and Bartel would join Volter in becoming a new version of RingConf. They would not be under the name of RingConf, but they would be a new version of RingConf. And that is where we are now. And now Alexander Wolf joining joining the group brings it all back to full circle. He wasn't able to join, you know, be a part of the group in their infancy in 2016. But now three years later, after he was granted his release from the main roster, he is now part of NXT UK and alongside his brothers. Uh, of course, Bartel and Volter and now Eichner alongside them. I cannot wait to see what they do with Imperium going forward. This is a really big, big, big move. Big super move. Big time move. I love this. I love the fact that Alexander Wolf is now getting his chances to actually become part of something big. Because Sanity, I felt, and I believed and thought, that Sanity was going to be a major player in the tag team division in SmackDown Live. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case for Sanity, and it wasn't in the cards, which is sad and unfortunate because I feel still, I believe in my heart of hearts that they deserve so much better than what they got. They were, they, the only time we really saw them was upon their debut and then they were gone. And then for some reason, like during, I think the latter part of 2018 or uh, 2019, beginning part of 2019, they just popped up out of nowhere in which we thought, they were finally going to start utilizing the rest of the division when it was just New Day Usos in the bar. That, unfortunately, never got through. Of course, we know the club is going to be on their way out come the fall. I believe September is when the end contract ends. And more than likely, they're going to AEW. Holla at your boy. And then and now Alexander Wolf is part of NXT UK. This is a huge get for the brand. And this is a huge get for Imperium. NXT UK, the last two weeks, last two episodes. Let me take a sip of water real quick. So good. The last two episodes of NXT UK really has begun the build towards NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff coming in August. Now that you have not only Gallus and British Strong Style, but now this big group in Imperium. It only is going to speak for what is cap- what they're capable of. Now that they're four men strong. This is very exciting times for NXT UK. I can't wait to see what they're going to do doing fo- going forward. I can't wait to see what they're going to do utilizing Alexander Wolf going forward. This is a really big deal ladies and gentlemen, and if you don't think it's a big deal, you ain't watching NXT UK, nor are you watching it properly. I cannot wait to see what they're going to do in the next weeks and months leading to NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff. This, I don't even know what the card is going to be. I don't even know what it's going to look like come August 31st in the biggest day of professional wrestling of 2019. But what I do know is that what they're doing right now Definitely gets two thumbs up from yours truly. And that was your NXT UK, the last two weeks of review 
We're going to take a short break and we're going to close out the show properly and get you prepared for episode 78 of The Young Lion's Perspective. We'll be right back. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 77, a special Father's Day edition of the Young Lions Perspective. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. I greatly truly appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions Perspective. Share it across all your social media, your Instagram, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Tinder, your LinkedIn, your Bumbler, your Tumblr, whatever you got, social media-wise. Share it all across all social media and let the people know that the Young Lions Perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcast, especially on the road to the biggest professional wrestling day of the year. Of the year. I'm telling you, it's gonna be a big, it's gonna be a big couple of months, guys. So now, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to listen to this episode again or any of the other 76 and a half episodes of the, of the Young Lions Perspective, including three, now four, actually, episodes of The Secret Files and two episodes of Outside the Ropes, but you don't have to have the Anchor app. Relax. Take a breath. I'm telling you, don't worry. You, you chill out. Relax. I got you. You can still find this episode and all the other episodes of the Young Lions Perspective across eight different platforms, of course, count, not counting the Anchor app, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and, of course, that good old Spotify fam. Search for the Young Lions Perspective across any of those platforms, and you should have no problem finding it whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Young Lions Perspective podcast, you can follow me on my social media, on Twitter, at SwedeSenatorWWY. I do live tweeting for SmackDown Live, NXT, NXT UK when I do have time. All WWE Live pay-per-views, unfortunately, I'm going to do it for Stomping Grounds and Extreme Rules. I will be doing AEW's Fighter Fest, Fight for the Fallen, and of course, All Out. And any New Japan programming that I do get a chance to watch live. If you want to follow me on Instagram, the mothership of everything that is the Young Lions Perspective, besides the Anchor app, of course. You can follow me there at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective. Follow me on both of those platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. Any news I may talk about, any opinions I may have, or I actually posted a question. What do you think? in your opinion, is the greatest pro wrestling theme of all time. I'm telling you guys, I want to get interactive with y'all. Let me know what your favorite pro wrestling theme of all time is in your honest opinion. There are no wrong answers, just, of course, a good opinions. Guys, so episode 78, we'll be going down this week. I will tell you that right now. I'm trying to figure out a day. Uh, We may be leaning towards Friday, and the reason why is because not only... Do we have stomping grounds next weekend? And I will be making some, uh, we'll be doing unfortunate, the unfortunate preview and predictions for stomping grounds. But also we can be talking about NXT and NXT UK. So that's why you have to stay up to date with everything that's going on on my social media. Guys, enjoy the, for the fathers out there, enjoy the rest of your father's day. Uh, for those who aren't fathers, enjoy the rest of your day. I hope your work week all goes well. And until next time, guys, for episode 78, Have a good one, guys. See ya!